Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, the heart-centered connector. Effective communication is the, the heart of every connection I make, and it has to be at the heart of every workplace for people to thrive. And that's why my company, growstrongleaders.com, sponsors this podcast. We are on fire about getting our exceptional books and tools in the hands of millions of people in the workplace. You can learn more at growstrongleaders.com. Today, I'm really excited about my guest uh, to have on my show today, Amy Bernard Bond. Amy, welcome to my show. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's, it's going to be such a great conversation, and I want to introduce you more formally to my audience first so they understand the breadth and depth of what you bring to the world and to our conversation specifically today. Amy is a former Fortune Global 50 executive, and she's now a consultant to the C-suite and other leaders at global companies like Adobe and The Gap. She's recognized by Forbes as one of the top coaches for legal and compliance executives, and she's a member of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches. Amy guest lectures at Stanford and UC Berkeley, and she's a contributor to esteemed publications like Harvard Business Review. And also, Amy is a lifelong diversity advocate. It's a new topic for many companies, but this has been a passion of Amy's for a long time. And she testified for the successful passage of the first laws in the U.S. requiring corporate boards to include women. That was such an important step, Amy. Thank you for doing that. And today we're going to focus our conversation on her latest creation. It's an assessment called the Promotability Index. And she's going to let you know how you can take that for free at the end of our conversation today. And she also has written a companion book for that assessment called the PI Guidebook, How the Promotability Index Can Help You Get Ahead in Your Career. So Amy, such a diverse journey you've had. Give us kind of a condensed version because I know I didn't cover everything you've done, but what are some of the experiences that have brought you to the work you're doing today? Thank you, Meredith. Well, I started as an attorney and then I spent about 20 years working in Fortune Global 20 organizations, working my way up to senior executive roles, such as chief compliance officer, chief administrative officer, and chief human resources officer. And in the C-suite, the best way to be a revered leader and successfully drive business strategy, in my opinion, is to build healthy workplace cultures. And I know you agree. Mm -hmm. And so in my leadership work, I always hired an executive coach to support my work and to be my, you know, Jiminy Cricket and to support my work and to know that the and I just know the exponential benefits that I leveraged in getting a, an executive coach. And so I, like you, I founded my leadership and coaching consultancy around a mission to help organizations create 
those healthy workplace cultures by supporting executives and teams in overcoming potential blind spots, more effectively serving stakeholders, reaching their full leadership potential, making leadership a little more effortless and more fun. Um, And ultimately, I believe leading happier lives because we spend a lot of our time at work. And so it's very important for it to be a healthy place to be where we can really feel fulfilled and that we're contributing. And so to do this in a way where employees thrive, leaders must progress to a higher level of performance and teams must be engaged and motivated to do their best work. Well, you know, we're singing from the same sheet of music. (laughs) I love that uh, because I agree so much. But of course, your perspective comes from having been up there at the top and seen you know, the broader picture was so many different areas in an organization. And one of the things that I I really want to go deep in with your promotability index, because I think this applies no matter what level someone is in an organization, you, you talk about these key elements of promotability, and I think they really apply to everyone. Would you just describe them briefly so that people sure. know what, what is involved? What do I need to consider when I'm hoping to, to move up within sure. my company? My goal was to give everyone the, the advice I wish I'd gotten, you know, and reverse engineer promotion so that really it's accessible to everyone as we, we talked about diversity earlier. And so that's a part, my values are, are embedded in this and it's the stuff I wish I'd known. And so when I look back on who we promoted when I was on the executive team and who moved up um, both as a chief human resource officer, et cetera, and as a hiring manager, um, I can divide it into five categories. And it was around being self-aware, knowing, knowing yourself, what your values, motivations, preferences are, uh, knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at, um, and where you want to improve. Second would be external awareness. How are you perceived? You may have the right intentions around what you think you're doing, but it may not be landing that way with others. So you have to have that external awareness of, of how am I landing? How am I being perceived? And, and you may not agree, but it's very important for you to know because then you can, you don't have blind spots and then you can act on the information. We've all done things that were perceived a certain way. We're like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean that way, right? So that happens at work. Mm-hmm. So we need to know that. Um, and we're all different and we, we all have different baggage that we're carrying around and, and different uh, judgments that we make very quickly on limited information. And so, especially as you're coming up the corporate ladder, Got to know external awareness. That's number two. Number three is strategic thinking. And strategic thinking, the way I define it for the promotability index and for people who take the free assessment, they will see it's not whether you have strategic thinking because that is an important skill to be developed. That's important. And to get promoted, you have to be viewed as being a strategic thinker. And so the promotability index and the guidebook get into exercises around publicly, do you ask good questions that demonstrate that you've already been thinking about the tough problems of your business, for example? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you read up on your industry? Um, do you, do you, can you project what the trends are and what the threats are to your business and who your competitors are? Those kinds of, that kind of strategic thinking that's so critical to, that, that is expected in the C-suite. The fourth element of promotability is thought leadership. And that is around being recognized as an expert in your field 
both in your company and outside your company and contributing, whether it's to your association or um, to your company or mentoring others, all really important things so that, because by the time you're in the C-suite, you're not expected to just be a technical expert anymore. You're expected to really feel that you own and are responsible for the success of the whole company. Mm. And so those are other ways that you can do that is promoting the brand, you know, bring up being a brand ambassador, um, bringing others up with you, that kind of thing. And, and it's great for morale, great for building a healthy workplace culture. And then the fifth thing, which gets a lot of talk these days is executive presence. And I like defining executive presence because it can sound really fluffy. Um, and so I love Coquall, which is a, a diversity and inclusion group that really nailed it again. And the great thing about executive presence is anyone can learn it. Executive presence is number one, gravitas, the ability to which you um, can maintain your cool and calm under pressure and stress which we all have. And the higher you get, the more you get. Mm-hmm. So being able to just be the calm and the storm and, and have people feel comfortable coming to you um, with their issues. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest gifts you can give your, your employees as, as a leader mm-hmm. is to be that voice of reason and to also have, have presence such that people listen to you. So presentation skills is the second of the three components of executive presence, being a good presenter, being concise, being clear, um, being compelling, having a compelling vision and message. And the third element of executive presence, which is less than the other two, is appearance. And I think appearance is most important in first impressions. I think that it ameliorates over time in terms of its importance. But a first impression can serve to either accelerate a relationship really fast or derail it. If you, mm-hmm. if you don't give good eye contact, if you, if you um, don't seem like you're caring about the other person and really giving them your full attention. Right. So those are the five elements. I think that's, then uh, they're all so important. And I think as people were listening to that, they were probably ticking off in their minds, you know, maybe on a scale, how am I doing? But they don't have to wonder or guess because they can take your free assessment. And they can, we'll like 82 know. questions. Yeah. And again, yeah. Like, we'll I let them know free. how to do that. Yeah. But one of the things I was curious about is which of those five would you mm-hmm. say that many people, leaders, aspiring leaders tend to underestimate and, mm-hmm. and not takes, I don't want to say not take seriously enough, but not realize its importance. I would say that the higher you get up and even at the mid levels, like director level, or if you want to get to director level, the one that people underestimate the most is external awareness, Meredith. Um, And that's because you need other people. It takes a village to, to get promoted really. Um, I, I heard a great quote the other day that says, you don't get promoted, you get elected. And to a certain extent, that's true, especially at the C-suite level. The C-suite level, um, you, you, you may get proposed or promotion, but believe me, the CEO has already behind the scenes circled the wagons and gotten in and closed the door and had a print mm-hmm. and just said, hey, do you have five minutes? What do you think of so-and-so? I'm thinking of putting them up for X position. And, and that's the way it works. And so you have to always be aware of your capital, your, your um, brand capital in the organization. Um, have you done a stakeholder analysis? Do you know who's important? Do you know who's influential? They may not be in your line of reporting 
or on your radar at all, but it's something you need to be depending on your career goals and how much responsibility you want. And it's not for everyone. Um, And this is probably a good time to mention too, that even though I called the book and they got the index, the promotability index for me, promotability has a broader definition than simply getting a promotion or more money. It, it means a growth mindset and not becoming expendable, which is a risk these days. We've got AI coming. We've got a global economy. We've got a pandemic. I mean, we have all kinds of things. So anyone who just, you know, wants to keep growing and keeping their job interesting, who wants to do the same thing for 50 years? I don't. And we're living longer. So promotability to me is also, you know, just keeping your eye on the ball, um, especially as we get older, you know, maybe you want to be an individual contributor and you never want to manage people. I've gotten that question before when I've done masterclasses for companies on the promotability index, it's perfectly fine and normal. And where else can you grow, you know, have that Mm -hmm. conversation because the promotability index works for that too. That's great. And I think that's really important to know. So for folks that now know how important it is to have that external awareness what are some things specifically that they could do to get that information to be proactive to be you know taking the initiative without waiting say for the company to do a formal 360 feedback what are some right which not everyone has access to right right exactly my, my clients do and sometimes i'm fortunate to inherit some some prior ones um but the number one thing to do is to create a psychologically safe environment to where you are receiving feedback. You create natural feedback loops. And it's something that I, that I would operationalize, meaning make it a habit um, of your business practice because it protects you. It's scary and it can feel um, difficult at first. It requires some practice, but I would tell you if there's one thing that I could tell my younger self, it would have been get get good at giving and receiving actionable feedback mm-hmm. that is that is that is fact based that is not um, personalized that is just you know this this behavior is is this this is how it's showing up this was the this is the impact you know how can i how can i help or you know are you op- are you open to some feedback so what people can do is it's particularly powerful with your boss but it's also super helpful with stakeholders and with your direct reports, because then it sets the expectation as well. I think it, it uh, does two things. It, it, it sets an expectation that, that feedback is natural and normal and healthy and that it goes both ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the number one thing I would recommend people do is to ask their boss, Hey, you know, at an appropriate time, not when you're rushed, not during compensation time. You want it to be feed forward. You don't want it to be the look back. Mm-hmm. You, you want it to be to be you know aspirational and 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 again future looking. Is you know what one thing could I do that would make me more effective in my job? And be quiet and just listen. Mm-hmm. And and that can be very uncomfortable, especially if your boss isn't someone who is good at giving feedback. Some are, some are not, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I coach some of them, um, and uh, and but some are great at it. And some will say that's a great question. Let me think about it, and I will I will get back to you at our next one on one. You know, I've had, I've had that response sometimes, and then you get a very thoughtful answer. Um, if you just ask for one thing, it doesn't feel overwhelming to the person. 
Mm-hmm. And you're showing that you care. So it checks a lot of boxes. It shows number one, I want to get better. Number two, I'm willing to be courageous and humble in front of you and asking you, you know, what you think. And number three, by not being defensive, the, the key is you do have to do it. The, there is a right way yeah. and a wrong way to do this. The right way to do it is you just say, thank you. That's it. You listen, you take notes. If you have some clarifying questions, like, can you give me an example of when I did this? Or if it happens again, could you please point it out to me privately? I would really appreciate it. You know, that kind of thing. But do not get defensive, even if you disagree with it. And I know that's really hard, but again, we're trying to surface the perception. This is the external awareness that we, you and I were just talking about. So um, it's a gift because it's the only way you would know. You may be shocked. I mean, I've had some clients who are like, oh my God, I had no idea they felt that way. And then it's been great. Let's, are, are you motivated to work on it? Yes. Okay. Let's get at it. Let's nail it. You know, and then three, four months later and we check in how, you know, I'm working on this. Are you seeing, are you, are you seeing a visible improvement? Mm. You know, and, and if not, okay, what else can, what else can we do that would, that would help? And so it's extremely important and um, really powerful. And the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes just like tying your shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about what gets in the way of, of somebody receiving it graciously. We have a chapter in our book, you know, on receiving oh, I bet. graciously yeah. because we, we really do that to me, that self-awareness kicks in when we are in this state of asking sure. so that we notice our body language, you know, our facial expression, because mm-hmm. especially if it's a direct report, that's actually had the courage to be honest with us. They're watching to see how are we responding to this to know whether it's going to be safe for them to be honest again in the future. Right. Yes. Because if you, if you do not create that psychologically safe space, you will never hear from them again Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. And I think that's really important because we all have these blind spots and if people aren't willing to tell us, it's going to sabotage our career or, you know, I have business owners who are listening. If they're not willing to ask their folks, you know, tell me what's one thing I could do to be more effective with you. That's huge. And and being gracious and saying, thank you. And, you know, I was just thinking, Amy, something else that would encourage the dialogue to continue might be something like, well, what would that look like for you in the future? If I were doing this well, what would that look like and sound like? Because sometimes we're not clear on what somebody really wants from us and getting them to think more specifically, I think helps us paint a picture in our minds of that aspirational place we want to get to. And that's always a great follow-up conversation. I would say if it's the very first time you're asking, you might wait because if, if it's someone who doesn't regularly give feedback, because that's mm-hmm. a lot, that's a lot for them to have already taken that risk. People yes. don't realize it, but, but um, I'm always, I always have to remind people, bosses are, are people too. And um, they don't like giving negative feedback and they mm-hmm. won't. And frankly, there's a lot of discouraging in my opinion, um, but very important research out Lately, there was a Yale management study that that demonstrated that women and people of color get less actionable feedback than white men do. 
And that has huge consequences and implications Mm. for women and people of color in the workplace who want to advance. And so like it or not, again, need to probably do it. We, the burden's probably on us to make sure that we are getting that because after me too, black lives matter, there's been a little bit of retrenchment and fear of being misinterpreted or fear of being um, accused um, Mm. in in certain ways. And, and having been an employment lawyer, you know, it it can be, it can be touchy for people. And so they just like, ah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it go. Well, sometimes that doesn't serve us. We need to hear it. We're not perfect. Um, so it, 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 um, it's a dialogue. I, I like to think of it, it. You're, you're kicking off what should be an ongoing dialogue mm-hmm. and not a, it's not a once and done. I would think in your role as a coach, <clears throat> just imagining, you know, myself getting feedback about something. There are a couple of things that could happen. One is that mentally, wanting to dismiss what this person says, especially yeah. if it's someone I've had conflict with in the past or have not, you know, had some kind of tension with. But the other thing is, do you run into um, folks who start beating themselves up mm. and 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 become self-critical? Oh God, like this imposter syndrome that, you know, a lot of people have. And so if somebody comes to them and and brings up something they would like them to do differently, or they've asked for it and they've now received it. And it seems to reinforce a belief that they've already had about themselves. Is there a struggle there? Is there sometimes a barrier or difficulty they've got to work through in order to see the gift that they've really just gotten? Well, yes. So, so those are two very different reactions. And so for the, the person that might be dismissive, um, what we speak to is their level of motivation and the degree to which the person who's given them the feedback, whether their opinion is important. And coming to terms with accepting the power structure is a part of that. If it's your boss and they've told you you're not going to get promoted unless you change X or Y, and it's usually actually two people up, is what I find when people are getting blocked for promotion in, in my coaching practice. It's usually because they've they've been given some information that may or may not be true, or they've been given or someone they trust uh, doesn't doesn't like the person or had a, a negative experience, and so um, you know th- there is a natural protective you know human reaction to to rejecting. It, it's self protective. Um, and that's why we don't usually ask for it either. It's a threat, right? Mm-hmm. It's fight or flight. And so um, what we work on together is, is it valid? If it's not valid, where did it possibly come from? What could be true? What could have been perceived? Why might they hold that impression? And then what are some action steps that you're willing to take that still is authentic within your leadership and with consistent with your values that would change that perception. Now, if they're not motivated, it's not going to happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, we then we wouldn't coach that issue, or I would withdraw if it was the issue that needed to be worked on because um, I can't work harder than my clients. Um, but uh, and they need they need to want it. So that's how I would handle, and and we I have handled that and wound up getting someone promoted who vehemently disagreed with the opinion of him two levels up. 
Um, but we were able to change that. And we were able to, I was able to, after doing the 360, point out a few things that that this person had done and habits that they did have that could be perceived a certain way. The, the difference is the lens through which my client was seeing it, I'm just a go-getter. This is, you know, I'm, I'm demonstrating that I'm, I'm working as hard as I can, you know, blah, blah, well, the feedback two levels up was this person's a lone wolf. They can't work with other people. They always have to be the star. You, you, can you see how both of those things could be true? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So they had never seen it that way because they had worked their way up competing because that's what you do, but you get to a certain level. And I wrote a Harvard business review article about this. Promotions aren't just about your skills. They're about your relationships because at a certain point, this person happened to be a head of sales um, and you know, knocked his numbers out of the park regularly. So like, why am I not getting promoted? Objectively, I should be promoted. It's like, well, it's relationships. It's because no one thinks that, that people want to work with you. Because they feel you're too competitive, too ambitious, you're just going to squash everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to we had to work through that, and and when when he realized that he's like, okay, that wasn't my intent. I thought I was just doing what I was expected to do, but I can see how that's the perception. And so he stopped talking more frequently at meetings. That was that was hard for him. He's a very strong personality. He had great ideas. He had to shut up mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And he reached out more to the sec- this second level boss, whom he personally did not like because he felt this person was holding him back. So he'd already built up baggage about it. He mm. had a whole story in his head about it, right? And we were like, well, do you do you want it or not? You can you cannot want the promotion. That's okay. That's your choice. And if you do want it, these are probably some wise things to do. Build the relationship, mm-hmm. uh, pull back a little bit, demonstrate a little more equality and respecting your peers' opinions and bringing them up, mentor them, like demonstrate your skills in a, in a, in a quieter way. And that was not easy for him, um, but it was, a, it was a wonderful coaching engagement. He's a fantastic person and I think is, is poised to be a fantastic leader. So that's one example. Mm-hmm. The imposter syndrome hits women. Uh, and and I, again, I would say people of color a little bit more. Um, I, I personally like calling it an imposter phenomenon as opposed to a syndrome. A syndrome implies a, you know, a, almost a mental illness to me that's unrecoverable from or requires some kind of medication. Even the woman who invented it kind of regrets calling it a syndrome and kind of caught on. Um, it's, it's a phenomenon because the people that usually have it are exceptionally uh, smart and, and achievement oriented. And a, a colleague of mine who's writing a book actually on top achievers, she's interviewed Olympic athletes, Nobel prize winners, Dr. Fauci, you know, everybody, um, she finds they all have imposter phenomenon. And so she reframed, I love an article that she recently wrote that reframed, um, imposter phenomenon as the, the, um, natural result of an overachiever and not something that people should feel, um, guilty or ashamed or that they had to fix. It needed to be watched. It needed to be managed. You don't, you want to be kind to yourself. You don't, you don't want to become, you know, um, you don't want to to let it traumatize you. The feeling that you're never good enough. I mean, Mm -hmm. but ambitious people feel this. She's, she's, her research demonstrates that this, this is, 
held by almost everyone who's, who are some of our top achievers in the world. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would share with your audience that, you know, if if they're feeling that they are, they're in good company, number one, you know, and number two, try to try to think of the benefits that that means, because if you didn't care about achieving, you, you wouldn't have it, but then think of all the things you might not achieve that excite you and that get you up in the morning and, and that, that make life in the, in the world better, hopefully for, for people. I love what you just said. I was just thinking of um, a book I have been reading called The Ultimate Coach about Steve Hardison. And he coaches very successful people, entrepreneurs, I mean, people that are doing big things in the world. And what was interesting in reading, because it's just filled with stories of their experiences working with him. And the underlying thread of all of them is this feeling of unworthiness or not deserving or, mm-hmm. you know, in some way falling short, criticizing themselves. Um, so I don't usually use that term imposter um, <clears throat> syndrome, but I like the way you changed it. But it, it the underlying theme is I'm falling short somewhere. I'm not mm-hmm. enough just as I am. And I think that one of the key aspects to me as, as we're talking here about promotability is having that intrinsic belief in yourself mm-hmm. that you are worthy of promotion, whatever form that looks like. If it's being, you know, and staying as an individual contributor, continuing to make significant contributions to the organization or wanting to, to move ahead, that sense of confidence in your abilities. And that, I guess, goes back to self-awareness to some degree, giving yourself credit for what you know and what you've done. It is important. I think um, I keep a sunshine folder. I have my moments too. And so I highly recommend when you get a nice compliment from someone, when you just ace something or you get an award um, or just, just a thank you from someone you've mentored or has been a prior direct report, um, print it out and drop it in the file. Cause we all have our sad days. I mean, particularly the last two years, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure they've increased for people. And we know that mental illness is, has been a, a very big challenge for people. And so, and it's isolating for, for especially if you're an extrovert. Um, so I, I do that and I highly encourage my clients to do it because they are high achievers as well. And, and so this, this happens for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to, um, respond to the negative voice in your head and say, that's not accurate. Look at all this other data I have. Mm-hmm. Look at these lovely notes I receive from people saying that I, that I impacted their lives positively and that my work matters. And so, um, yeah, sleep is important. You know, how we, you know, being, being healthy, how we eat, who we list, the voices we listen to, we have to make active choices around, who we listen to and having a, an unofficial board of advisors and a, a few close friends that you trust um, to, that you can just call that'll and just say, Hey, I'm having a blue moment. Can you talk me down? You know, it's really important. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I can see where that is. And it seems that in the workplace, knowing that you have allies mm-hmm. who, you know, can serve that function for you would be, also, it, it would help you stay in that place a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Doing that kind of self-encouragement, I think, is important too. But thank you for acknowledging that, yes, we all have these moments. 
that we're that that's normal, you know, and that we don't beat ourselves up and become then more negative, more critical of ourselves for having these moments. Because I think sometimes that word should just jumps in there. I shouldn't feel this way or I shouldn't think this way. It's it's normal. That won't help. That won't help. Um, There are things that literally you can do to break yourself out of it. If you're, if you're ruminating, for example, if you're stuck in a cycle, literally getting up and taking a walk is one of the best things you can do or putting on some music or completely switching tasks. Your mind needs to be sometimes, and we, we still have, you know, at some points, it seems like an unsophisticated, unsophisticated or unhelpful mind. And, and mm-hmm. in this case, this is one of those things. And literally it's been proven if, if you, if you get up and, and move around, you can, you can move your mind off of it. Or if you, if you listen to a meditation, that's why meditation is so important mm-hmm. for so many people, because you can hear what, what you're saying. And you're saying, gosh, if my best friend told me that, you know, or they were saying that to themselves, I wouldn't tolerate it. Why am I being so unkind to myself? Why am I allowing this voice to live rent free in my head? Um, So, you know, do things like that, talk to, or just leave, go out, get a cup, you know, get a cup of tea, just literally break the cycle, like Mm. break, break the rumination and bring yourself some data that says, nope, I have contradictory data. I don't know what, I don't really know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. This thing is vague. It's usually very vague. Mm. There might've been something that happened and and you might've said, oh, I could have done that better. Okay. And so then you analyze it and you think about it, but then you have to move on. So give yourself a time limit is the other thing I would say. If if you genuinely screwed up on something and you regret it, that's different, right? Than just generic, you know, imposter phenomenon. But, and just give yourself and say, okay, for 30 minutes, I'm going to analyze this. I'm going to say, what am I going to do next time better? Do I owe an apology to anyone? Um, and then I'm, that's it. I'm done. And I'm going to go for a walk. I'm not, I'm not thinking, I'm not allowing myself to think about this anymore. That's not helpful. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, I want to come back to your Harvard Business Review um, recently, the one about promotions and not just about your skill, sure. about your relationships. Right. And t- drawing from your own experience in the corporate world, what are some things that you found were important <clears throat> in initiating, forming, establishing, and maintaining strong relationships with key people? And sounding, and this to me is an important point, and being authentic about it, not like it's a strategy, I've got to do this, but right. more thinking. You come across as very fake too. Yes. It has yes. to be consistent with your personality, what you're comfortable with. And and you want to stretch yourself a little bit as well, depending on what your goals are. Um, so, you know, in the article, I give uh, five different areas um, of ways that you can build your relationship. One we've talked about, which is mentoring others, which is a very nice way to develop your leadership skills, especially if you're very early stage. It's, it's, it is the way that I learned my initial management skills. That and volunteer nonprofit work are two things that I recommend for people who have not yet been given the privilege of leading others but who really want it and want to be good at it and want to develop the skill. Well, the best way to start is by doing it unpaid by being a mentor and by taking a leadership role in your association or in a nonprofit that's meaningful to you. I would never suggest you just do it, you know, 
for the outcome because the outcome is not guaranteed. So you should like it life short. So you want to pick things that you like. Um, but if there's someone that you can help, that's going to feel really good. If there's a nonprofit that needs your help, that you, that means a lot to you in the arts or in, in animal welfare or healthcare or whatever it is, they always need help. And you can be the chair of the board and you can get incredible. That's I I was, and I got incredible leadership experience that way, leading a volunteer board. Believe me, if you can motivate and lead people that you aren't paying, you're going to do very well in corporate later on. (laughs) So it's, it's really good experience. Um, And then the other thing is just knowing what you're good at. So we've talked a little bit about self-awareness, but knowing what you're good at and sharing that with others, not like being like, this is mine. And this is the, you know, being insecure. This is the only thing that makes me special because number one, I think that um, shrinks you Mm -hmm. in your mind and uh, in your options, because you need to learn more and more and more and more. If you want more responsibility, you become less of a technical specialist. You hire people for that. Um, And then sharing, so sharing that with others is a generous thing. Say, Hey, I noticed, you know, you seemed uncomfortable with Excel. I'm really good. I'm really good at it. Do you mind? Do you want me to help you? I could teach you a couple things, right? That's, that's Mm -hmm. a nice way to build the relationship. People really appreciate it. Yeah. I'd love that. Thank you. Right. Just think of what do they need? How can I help them? Like what skills do I have that they don't have? And how do I share that? That demonstrates that you're, that you're a giving person, that you're generous and you're confident about your abilities. That goes back to um, the external awareness, just noticing where somebody might be struggling, where you could be helpful instead of being so narrowly focused on you and what you're trying to do, putting right. your head up and looking around and saying, who could I help based on my area of expertise? I love those suggestions, Amy. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we are at our our time. And so I would love for you to let my listeners know, how can they get that free assessment for the promotability index and get your guidebook and then connect with you and learn more about your services. Thank you. Well, I'm very open to connecting. My website is barnardbond.com, all one word, and it has everything on there from my book is available everywhere books are sold. Um, And it's in four different formats, Kindle and and ebook and um, digital interactive and a hardcover and a paperback. Uh, they can get the assessment also through a link on my website through the promotability index page. But the, if they're in the United States, they can also get it immediately by texting the word promote me all one word to 44222. And we could put this in the show notes too, if that's helpful. Oh, well. um, and then I have a resources page on my website with hundreds of free leadership resources. And I have a newsletter a couple times a month, just depending on how much my writing and client work uh, is in a given time. And that's free. And they're welcome to sign up for the newsletter as well. And all of that is, is also on the website at barnardbond.com. Great. And I'm open to connecting um, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, I'm also on, I'm, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I just use it less. I primarily use LinkedIn and, mm-hmm. and Twitter a bit. Well, great. Well, I want to encourage my listeners to check out that index, the promotability index assessment on Barnard Barn. And we will put that on the um, show notes page for sure. And I'll put that texting information that you just gave. Amy, thank you so much for who you are and the wonderful work you're doing in the world to open the eyes of leaders. So they are 
more effective and and just all the things you've done over the year to re- years to really help make the world better. I appreciate you. It's a, it's a privilege. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com and check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.